Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right, I want to go ahead and continue with uh, our Book of Romans adventure. As we've been going through this wonderful book over the last seven weeks, this is the eighth week, um, and this is the final week planned, anyway, for this book. These words that uh, Paul wrote to the church, mixed of Jews and Gentiles in Rome, that uh, helped build the body, not just that fellowship, but us. This has gone on for a long time still gleaning from these words, helping us to get closer to the Lord, to treat one another well. And Paul continues on here with these last two chapters, really encouraging the body of Christ, the church, in how they treat one another, and also encouraging them uh, to be who they're supposed to be. And we see some of those things. So I want to highlight some of that as we, as we dive in. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul for his salvation and, Lord, his, uh, the way that he led, shared the revelation that you gave him and how he really devoted his life to following you and to helping people grow. And, Lord, thank you that these words have reached our eyes and our ears after 2,000 years. And, Lord, I ask that you would highlight things in here, that you would show us, that you would lead us. And we thank you for your word. May it come alive in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you for your spirit that does the work and changes us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's just start with verse 1 in chapter 15. And by the way, every every scripture in here, especially when I think of the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Bible says it's for our example so that we can learn from it. But the New Testament as well, Jesus makes it clear that it's the person who not just hears it, but applies it, right? So whenever we read the Bible, we want to make sure that we're reading it not just for information's sake. That's, that's, a, that's a trap to just grow in knowledge. You get puffed up in knowledge, knowledge, and it just causes pride. And so that's not what this is about. We want to grow in knowledge, yes. Grow in information, yes, related to this, but to put it into action, to apply it to our life, to say, what area of my life am I not doing what it says to do? Not just, I know what should be done, but I want to shift and make a difference, uh, maybe behave differently or ask the Holy Spirit. When I read things, what I ended up doing oftentimes when I'm reading is just go, oh, yeah, that's who I need to be. Holy Spirit, uh, I ask that you forgive me first off and ask that you change me. Take these words and I want them to be who I am. I want, to, I want to live this way, not just know these things. So we want to always do that when we're reading, starting with verse 1 here. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Now those words right there are, I would say, big for this culture because we are in a consumer culture. We have been for a long time particularly in the West and where we are right now, we're in a consumerism is big. People go oftentimes, I'm not saying you, but oftentimes people go to churches for what can I get? 
and it better be just right in this, this, and this area, and the pastor better be this way, and the worship better be this way, and it's all about whoop, me. What Paul is saying here, we are not just to please ourselves. So consumerism, consumer mentality is not supposed to be a part of the church. Isn't that interesting? We are to, yes, grow and learn, and we need certain things for ourselves, getting close to the Lord, growing, being stretched, all those things, but we need to be always on the lookout for how can I help other people? How can I please not just myself, but others? Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. What if every member in the body of Christ around the world came to church on Sundays, whenever they meet in homes and large meetings, and they came not to just receive, but they came looking for what do I get to give today? Who do I get to help? Who can I encourage? Who can I build up? Who can I give something to? How can I help someone's life? That would be a healthy body across the world, wouldn't it? There'd just be this exchange instead of being the consumer. We are not the consumers. We are meant to be the givers. We are made in the image of God, who's the greatest giver of all time. It's what he does. He, he gives. Gave his only begotten son, right? The best gift. And we're to be that way. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, verse 3, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written, verse 4, in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Whatever we're going through, whatever we will face yet, part of the purpose for the Scriptures are to instruct us to learn from what is there, but also to cause hope to arise on the inside of us that we would be encouraged by it, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Jesus Christ, so that with one accord, which means unity, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to be instructed, learn from these scriptures, be encouraged by them, persevere, so that we could with one voice glorify God. Man, I, I feel like we just saw a picture of that. Just that we, we've been doing that this morning. With one voice, I think of worship, glorifying God together. It's a beautiful unity of worshiping him together, singing these same words to him. It's a wonderful thing. In perseverance, it mentions perseverance and encouragement twice here in these few words, verses, perseverance. The, it's really staying with something despite whatever obstacle or difficulty comes. You're not going to quit. Persevering does, means not quitting. I'm going to stay through, all the way through, regardless of the atmosphere, the difficulty, the things that I face, the things that are said against me, whatever it is or done to me, I am persevering, and you need encouragement to do that. So that's probably one reason why those are two together, to persevere, but also to be encouraged. Encouragement gives hope. It's a life giver. We all need encouragement. 
My goodness, and it's amazing how one word of encouragement, what it can do, the power that one word of encouragement has. It can change a person's life. It can help them live. It can help them get through and persevere by just encouraging. One, one kind word. It's amazing. That's why when we come to church, we should be looking around for someone to encourage because they are persevering. They are trying to make it through and to not quit, all those things. So why don't we do this just as an experiment? <laughs> just right now, we're just going to obey the scripture. Just even right where we're sitting, look around you, look behind you, look to the left, look to the right. I encourage you to find someone that's not a family member and say, it doesn't have to be long, say one kind word, one encouraging thing to them. You can tell them how great they look. Or a scripture. Let's just do that. Let's take two minutes. Encourage at least one other person. How about that? Okay, you can stop encouraging each other for just a second. I'm no. We keep doing it, but yeah. Just momentarily, pause your encouragement. Pause your encouragement. Isn't that great? I mean, just one thing to someone else. You have no idea how God, God uses encouragement to break the power of the enemy. In mindsets, in feel, encouragement is huge. And we have the God who is the encourager. He gives us this. All right. I'm going to go through a lot of this fairly quickly now. we got a lot to do today. So let's dive in. Verse 7, therefore, accept one another. Accept them how? Accept them as fellow heirs of salvation. Accept one another as a brother and sister in the same kingdom. Going to live forever with God. Just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision. When he says that, he's speaking of the Jewish people on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles, us too, who are not Jewish, to glorify God for his mercy. Whew, that's a good one to thank God for every single day. Lord, thank you for your mercy. We'll just say it right now. Lord, thank you for your mercy upon us and for us. Not just for your chosen people. Thank you for them too. But Lord, thank you that chosen got opened up, and we got to join in. Every single one of us believing in you. Thank you, Lord. As it is written, therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. We were doing that this morning. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, verse 12, there shall come from the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. It's in Jesus. In him we will hope. Both chosen and later add grafted in. All of us. The same family. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope. Our God is the God of hope. Isn't that wonderful? He's not, he is not just the God of love, the God of light. God of mercy and kindness, but he's the God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope. You're going to have extra. You're going to abound to be so full of hope that it's coming out of you. That is the Lord's desire for every single one of us. So we'd be sitting here this morning full of hope. 
If we're not full of hope, then we're believing the wrong things. Because God is the God of hope and he's on the inside of us and he has all this figured out ahead, right? So there should be huge hope for every one of us. So you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit causes our hope to grow, to be full as we allow him. We need the power of the Holy Spirit operating every day in our lives. And it's a beautiful thing. Verse 14, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself am also convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and also able to admonish one another. I think he probably is speaking to a congregation. He's going to name them later on. We're going to read. He's speaking to a congregation full of leaders, I think, probably like this one. Uh, honestly, this, this fellowship is full, jam-packed full of leaders. And I think Paul is speaking to similar. You are able to teach one another. You're able to instruct one another. You're able to admonish one another. You're doing that. Verse 15, but I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Paul knows what his ministry is. Ministering as a priest, the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. Verse 18, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. I love that. Here's what that means to me. He's not rambling on with all of his opinions. We talked about opinions last week. Paul is saying, I'm not presuming to speak all kinds of these opinions that I have. Here's what I'm speaking. What Christ has done on the inside of me. That's what I'm going to talk about. Let me talk about Jesus. Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just want to say we want to see more signs and wonders in this day, in this hour, in this culture, Pointing people to you. They are not dead, signs and wonders. They are for today. It's the Holy Spirit. He's still here, right? So that from Jerusalem and round about as far as whatever that it word is, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, he's saying. I've wanted in my heart to visit Rome, but I've not been there yet, he's saying. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, he's been kicked out of every church he, no, not every church, every region, every city, he keeps getting persecuted. So having no further place to be in these regions, since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. I'm going to come your way. I'll stop by your house and say hi on my way to Spain, he's saying, and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem, serving the saints for Macedonian, Achaia, have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor. 
among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. So he's taking these offerings from the Gentiles and he's taking them to Jerusalem to help the poor believers. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on my way of you to Spain. Now, we don't have record of Paul actually going to Spain or making it. He may have. Um, we do know that he, uh, he did go to Rome. He was hoping, you could hear his longing, he's longing to be in Rome. But we also know that the way that he got there was not the way that he planned, right? He went as a prisoner to Rome. Um, he did get there, and he did encourage all the people there, but it wasn't quite, it wasn't a vacation. Let me say it that way. Verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Chapter 16, verse 1. I commend you, our sister Phoebe. It's interesting that he writes this at the end. This is the last part of this letter. And Phoebe is the one, as we mentioned early on, the one who carried this letter to them. She was the one who secretly took the letter of Paul, probably hid it in her clothing, and traveled 600 plus miles, either by ship, which would have taken just over two weeks, or by foot, which would have been 30 nights of travel to get this letter. So he's saying here at the end, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. And she may be even the one reading this in the church here, who is a servant of the church, which is at St. Crea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Here is a, an amazing, brave woman. Verse 3, Greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. So this letter is going to the church of Jesus Christ at Rome. And it has many house churches, many different pockets of believers in this city. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the way the Lord thinks of this church is he thinks this is a part of the church of Jesus Christ in Winston-Salem, right? One of many. Here's the one here in, uh, on the northwest side of Winston-Salem. There are many. Uh, that seems to be the way that the Lord, from the book of Revelation, that's how it looks like anyway. Greet Apennatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, which Junia also, I'm not sure what your translation says there, but Junia is a woman, okay? Greet them, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. We have an indication here that there was a female apostle named Junia. Here, there's some debate on this, as there probably 
will be until the Lord returns. But this is, it looks as though um, there was at least one woman apostle here named Junia. I want to skip, let's skip 8 through 16 simply because he's greeting all of his buddies. <coughs> Which is great. It's amazing that Paul knew so many people who lived in Rome, though he'd never been there. So a lot of these people, they've come probably for feasts, celebrations in Jerusalem. He met them, maybe were part of the church and were sent back to Rome. Verse 17, now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned. Turn away from them. Keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned. Um, I try and do that too, because uh, I've seen in my life a lot of dissension and people trying to divide and say things to divide and get people to follow them and break up things and split and all that. I remember uh, I was in Venezuela on a trip and I met these guys at a, at a hotel. They invited me to their church, so I went. And a first time visitor at this church, it's in Spanish, and um, as soon as the worship is over, the pastor gets up there and he starts to speak and someone in the congregation stands up about three rows back and starts screaming at him and pointing his finger. I have no idea what they're saying. And he screams back and gets closer. And I thought, this is, they are going to fisticuffs. The pastor and whoever this guy is, they didn't even greet the first time visitors. That was me. <laughs> and the church split that day. It was my one and only visit to that church, and it split right down the middle, and this guy took a bunch, and the pastor took it, and it was a, it was a mess. And the feel in the air was horrible. I mean, it was, there was hatred, and then other people stood up, and they're screaming at him, and he's screaming back, and wow. But there are people who try to divide, and that's just, Paul said, watch out for those folks. Don't tolerate that, because in the very beginning, we're talking about, in chapter 15, that we're supposed to be united. We're supposed to be united in glorifying with one voice, Jesus, not dividing, not coming against, not saying that I know but more than this person and you should follow me instead of them. That's not what this is about. We are supposed to be united. In fact, Jesus is waiting for his church to get united. There's supposed to be a unity of the faith, not a unity of the opinions. Right? So we check our opinions at the door and unite in faith together and see each other as members, fellow heirs of this body fellow heirs of this amazing inheritance that we have in Jesus. Okay, verse 18. For such men are slaves, not of our own Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. People like to divide, have their own motives going on, their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I love that. Let's not dig around in evil to see what it's like. Let's remain innocent, eyes on Jesus, and allow God to crush Satan under our feet as we move forward and we 
go where we're supposed to go. We do what we're supposed to do, trusting that God is crushing the enemy under us as we're going. Let's skip 21 through 24 as he provides more greetings to people's names I cannot pronounce. Verse 25, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, which he reveals in Colossians chapter 1 what this mystery is. The mystery of mysteries that Christ is inside of you. The hope of glory. Christ lives inside of you. He's not outside. He's not just in heaven. He lives on the inside of you. It's the greatest mystery. But now is manifested by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And Paul concludes this letter and this book to the Romans. Uh, you know, as you, as you read history, of course, I, I have the advantage that Paul didn't have right here that it was just probably four years later after this letter was written that Paul is then sent and imprisoned and sent to Rome. Soon after that, several years later, you know, we know that Emperor Nero, who was very cruel, uh, part of Rome caught on fire, and they think it was because of some of the things he was doing he shouldn't have been doing, and instead of taking the responsibility, Emperor Nero blamed the Christians. And when he blamed the Christians, that caused this all this fuming anger, and they started persecuting the Christians, and they killed Peter and Paul. So here's Paul is writing this letter to these people to encourage them to persevere and endure, and it would just be a few years later that Paul himself would die in that city. And for the next 250 years, all the way to the year 311, intense persecution, and then a few years, a few decades in between, intense persecution, 12 different emperors persecuted the church horribly, sometimes taking Christians, shish them, dipping them in oil, wrapping them in these, um, I guess, linen-type stuff soaked in oil, setting them on fire and becoming torches in the city, feeding them to lions, taking all their property away. Horrible stuff happened for over these 250 years to these believers. He's riding to right here. It's amazing. And, you know, we don't know what's ahead for any of us. We don't know what difficulties we will face. But with perseverance, encouragement of the word, encouragement of what the Lord has done for those who have gone before us, we want to stay held fast to the Lord, trusting in him, trusting in the Holy Spirit, staying full of hope, even if it costs us our life right? says in the end there that those who overcome the enemy, how do they do it? By the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their own lives, even unto death. Even if death is required, I'm not loving my own life. I'm looking to build up my neighbor. I'm looking to edify them. I'm looking to help them. I'm looking for some sort of encouragement to them. And I keep my eyes on Jesus we're going to follow him regardless of what comes. 
My faith is not based on circumstances. My trust in God is not based on having the right president in office. None of that matters. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him. And you and I all have to do that, right? Regardless of what comes. And rejoice all along the way. Hold on to hope. Trust and believe. And I need to be done. So Lord, thank you for these words. Thank you for the hope that we have in you and that we don't just have hope in you. You are the God of hope. You are the God of hope. Even this moment, look and say thank you, Lord, for the believers in Rome, all that they endured for the next 250 years after this, receiving this letter. Lord, thank you that they're rejoicing with you in heaven. And Lord, we ask for the perseverance and encouragement to reach us throughout the rest of our lives, that we would look to build up one another, to give, to not be self-focused. Lord, we just reject consumerism in ourselves. We don't want to be a consumer. We want to be a giver. We want to be those who are looking to give the kingdom away, looking to give the spirit, looking to give life, looking to help and live and to give encouragement to everything that moves, that breathes. Thank you for this body, for these believers, Lord, for their faith, for the leaders you've sent here, for all that you've done and all that you have ahead for us. We just, even this morning, rededicate ourselves, our lives, our love to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.